Wait a minute. Hear this. Growth Farm Production. This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonetti. And each week, we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. Welcome back to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped and excited for what will be another cracking episode. Now, this week's episode is a little bit different. We are taking a recording from last week's Growth Forum community session. Now, if you don't know what Growth Forum is, Growth Forum is a community that brings the Scalable Growth Podcast to life. It's a community that I run, that I've co-founded. Every week, we have live sessions from different thought leaders from around the world. We also have a a catalog of different courses, and it's a place for where you can connect with like-minded individuals who all have one goal in mind, and that's to grow and be the very best they can be. The last session was awesome because we had Paul Cherry, the author of Questions That Sell. I mean, he's authored a number of other books, but the reason why I love this particular session is because this is a book that I've used on a number of occasions to help me during my discovery stage of the sales process with various opportunities. And it's really helped me create and craft some incredible questions. Now, why are questions important when it comes to the sales process? Because the main way for you to differentiate in the sales process is not your product or service, is not the brand that you serve or that you're working for. It's the experience that you create with your clients. And the experience is often derived from the type of questions that you ask because questions, the sales conversations, is what will create that level of differentiation. And when you ask a great question, what it often does, it stops the prospect and they look up and they give it a lot of thought. And when you're doing that, when you're actually able to trigger the prospect to start thinking, it means if you're creating value in the process. And asking questions is really a skill. It's quite an art. And that's why I'm really excited to bring this community session as a podcast, because I think there is so much value for you to take away about the types of questions that you're asking from prospecting stage right through to that progression stage of the sales process. So, and if you want to know more about the growth forum and what's what it's all about, either hit me direct. You can either hit me up on LinkedIn or just even email me at Luigi at growthforum.io. Or if you want to take the plunge, go and click the link in the show notes because you can join. And as I mentioned, there's a whole lot of content there that'll help you level up to be the very best you can be. But before we get into this week's episode, I just want to say, I always say this every single week, I just want to say thank you for showing up. If you're a long-time listener, thank you for showing up and supporting our cause. I really value you. Um, I just want to say thank you for always um, showing up and 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 we're seeing a, a real boost in our listeners. So And that goes to the people that make this possible and that's the listeners. And if you're a first-time listener, thank you for coming along. We hope you take away a lot of value and you come back every week as we continue to try to help sales professionals be the very best they can be. So check out this community session, um, loads of value. Let me know what you think. Um, let me know, let Paul know, but you know, let me know what you think. Send me a DM on LinkedIn and say, hey, Luigi, I really love this because of X or um, you know what, didn't really like it because of B, but um, let me know your thoughts. I took a lot of value. I got a lot of notes out of it. So I'm hoping that you get the same. So let's get into this week's episode with Paul Cherry. Welcome to our community and welcome to today's session, Paul. All right. Thank you, Luigi. It's a pleasure. Well, before we jump into the session, um, we'd love for you to maybe share you know, a quick intro, where'd you come from and, and what what's motivated you to to start writing and authoring and, and publishing content of this nature? Oh, well, back in 2003, I had a gravy job and uh, the wife would stay at home, two young kids. And, and uh, I, I saw the writing on the wall that uh, my job was coming to the end because they were basically closing the training division. But, you know, you're like, ah, let me see how far I can milk it. And uh, the day came, they called me in and said, Paul, this is your last day. And I'm like, okay, what about a severance package? You know, and as they said, nothing. When's my last day? Today's the last day. So bottom line is uh, that afternoon I I went home, I started making calls and uh, I realized, hey, you know, I no longer have a big company behind me. So now I had to start publishing content. And I said, just got into the system, just started writing, writing, writing. And, um, hired an incredible writer editor to help me. And uh, 
She packaged this together in six months. We presented it to American Management Association Questions and Sell. And uh, literally within 20 minutes, uh, they came back. First, it was like the first submittal of the proposal. They came right back and said, we're going to offer you $5,000. I was like, let's take it. Let's run with it. So it's been a bestseller. Um, seven languages globally. It's our second edition now that came out in 2018. So, yeah, it's been it's funny you say that of the books that I've written, that is that's my brand. I'm just passionate about questioning because why questions are truth seeking missiles. And I want to get to the truth. It's, it's true, isn't it? The truth yeah. will set you free. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. The truth seeking missiles. It, yeah. Yes. Well, what yes. a great way to, to start the session. Um, so why don't we jump into it, right? I want to, before we talk about the questions that allow us to go deeper and be seen as a, a trusted advisor, yeah. maybe you can share what are some of the deadly sales questions that salespeople ask that cost us business? Yeah, there's, you know, if you look at the the IBM, International Business Machine, um, there's a, uh, a formula that was taught, it's probably going back 60 years ago, it's called the acronym BANT formula, B-A-N-T, which mm -hmm. is budget, authority, needs, timing, uh, and scope, if you want to use the scope with that as well. Uh, and I understand it, you know, what's your budget? Are you the person who makes the decisions? What are your needs, specs? Uh, when are you going to make a decision? How big is this project? The framework, I get that. I understand it. But if you follow that protocol, uh, they really are. It could be an, an annoying interrogational um, and even put people to sleep. It's very dangerous um, because it's very much product focused or me focused questions. So we can't, you know, it's kind of like the question, Luigi. Um, and are you the decision maker? Mm. Now, is that an important question to ask? And the answer is, yeah, it's, it's very important. You talk to the right people, things happen. Yeah. Is it a dangerous question, Luigi? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Why is it? It's it's offensive. The people and people are gonna not only is gonna tell you the truth. Mm. You know, it's 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 so I think we have to be real careful. Now, how do we salvage a question like that? I think two things. Number one, um, when we've done our, our research on questioning, 90%, no, no, 97% of the questions that we ask are who's, what's, where's, when's, why's, how's, mm. ours. And are, are, you, are you the decision maker? Right there alone, that's a closed-ended question, correct? Yep. You're only going to get a yes or no answer. So just little ways of tweaking questions that make it more engaging. So that question, I'm going to elicit more information. I just tweak it. So mm. I, I use a descriptive opener. What's a descriptive opener? Uh, Describe, tell me, share with me, walk me through. Yeah. So instead of are you the decision maker, take me through your yeah. decision making process. See the difference there? Oh, beautiful. I love that. See, so yeah, immediately go, turns it from yeah. a closed end into an open ended question. Yeah. And people are going to be more forthright and more open ended about that. Okay. So, yeah, I, yeah. I love using trigger verbs like that. You know, tell me, yes. share with me, describe. Yes. One of my favorites that I use towards the end of the stage of the sales process, which we'll talk about is consider the impact of. Yes. Which is yeah. get some really thinking. Um, so I absolutely love that. And I think it's also important to note what you've just said is asking someone, are you the decision maker? The reason why I'm not a fan of that either is because people don't want to tell you they're not important. Right. Yes, that's right. That's so correct. Sometimes you'll pull, they say, well, I'm the decision maker because there's ego and status kicks in, right? Yes. 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 And then, and then all of a sudden you get to the end of the cycle and they're like, I can't, I can't sign this off. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's true. And that's what happens four to five times. Uh, you know, they, you're led to believe they are the making the decisions and the bottom line is, ah, so I'd rather to find out, well, it starts with me, then I have to pass it over to this person, this third yeah. person, and my boss. All of a sudden, you got four parties involved. That's real important when you ask that decision-making process. I'm understanding the people involved. So, yeah. Yeah, and Very a game-changer for me um, was when I heard you, you know, talk about past, current, future. And I, I want to talk about this a bit later, but I, I do want to bring this forward because instead of asking, are you the decision maker, the way that I've rephrased the question based on your sort of, I'll say coaching because your books have coached me without you physically yep. coaching me, but is asking a question about the past to say, hey, you mentioned that you implemented X solution 12 months ago. What did the process look like? Yes. And 
who was involved. Yes, yes. That allows me to understand their buying process. And often I then ask another question in the past, which is, if you could go back and do that project again, what would you do differently? Yes. Right? Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. It helps me understand that whole, well, this was a problematic for them, so I better, that could become an objection that I'll need to think about when I put my solution forward or I should avoid presenting X based on what you shared with me. So I'd love to get your take on the importance of structuring path-based questions into the conversation. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Let me give you a quick example too, because it's it's so, you know, when I, I, I've done in our live programs, I don't care if it's somebody fairly new in sales or 25 years of experience, it's irrelevant. But I will say, okay, give me a random, I'm going to ask you to you know, jot down 10 questions that typical common questions you ask your clients on a regular basis, whether it's a first time call with a prospect or to an established relationship that you're entrenched with. Randomly just jot down 10 questions in no order. And inherently, here's what a classic, it just comes out all the time. 87% of the questions are in the present. About uh, 8% are in, 8 to 9% are in the future. And maybe 3% are in the past. So what are examples of present questions? Uh, things like, uh, what are you currently doing now? What's working? What's not working? Who are you currently using? What do you like about them? What don't like you like? How many are you using? Quantity, price range that you're paying for this? Uh, problems, challenges, opportunities, needs, specs, um, and again, authority, budget. Um, then there might be a, a goal question or timing question, but rarely, if ever, I just don't see the past questions. You know, like let's go back to when you originally implemented this process. What did it look like? And as we look back at that, how are things changed since then? That rarely comes up. And why is it? And it's because salespeople are wired to think, well, what, what the past is irrelevant. Mm. It's dead. It's done. I can't yeah. make money in the past. I get it. So they're trying to qualify something now or into the future. But here's the key is where do your customers, customers and prospects, where do they have a preference in being? Is it in the past, the present or the future? I'll give you a hint. Where's the dreams, hopes, wants, desires? Yeah. I often say yeah. people don't buy what you do. They buy the outcome you help them achieve. That's right. Their goals, their desires. The future always looks rosy, better. That's where our hopes, wants, and desires are, better outcomes, all these things. Um, and, and yet, when you want to get what, although I want, I want to tap into dream, people's dreams and emotions, but I also want to get to what I call understand what I call the truth and the pain. The pain is in the past. Mm. The problems, challenges, unless you're lucky where you just stepped into a situation where are you having any problems or like, oh, I'm so glad you stopped in because am I? Yes, I'm having big problems. How often does that happen in sales? Not a lot. Yeah. So that's why we go into the past. And this is, this is a great segue, right? Because I think you, 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 know, you mentioned that it doesn't often happen where we arrive at a point where they're like, where have you been in my life? And for me, I believe a big part of that is because there is a trust gap between buyers and sellers. In oh, fact, yes. you know, a, a lot of a lot of buyers are already a bit hesitant because they think you're, you're in sales. So, they've, oh yeah, you know, there's a manipulative tactics. I want to talk, and and one of the biggest challenges we have is changing the perception in the eyes of the buyer to be seen as a trusted advisor. Yeah, yeah. So, how do we? structure our questions so that they can see us as a partner versus a product. Let's let me give you an example and and, and take that further because it's 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 I I got an inquiry uh it's probably 3 years ago inquiry by a, a technology firm uh and inquiry was hey Paul we heard good things about you you one of our divisions used you and we're interested in um uh seeing if you we can hire you um on the it was like the 10th of November. And um, so we got into the conversation. I thought it was going to be easy sales. So I just asked some you know, simple questions. How many people yeah. are going to be involved? Where's it going to be held? What do you want me to talk about? Uh, how long do you want me to talk? Uh, and what is your budget? You know, there she goes, me, me, me questions. See what I mean? Self-serving <laughs> questions. Yeah. And I was getting one or two word answers. And I'm like, holy cow, I teach questioning. Why am I doing this? 
And I, I say, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. I say, let's step back for a moment. Before we go any further, let's, let's understand the bigger picture. So here came a future question. Tell me where you see you and your business, you know, three to five years from now. Yeah. Tell me where you see you and your business three year, three to five years from now. So that future big picture question, strategic question, four things happen. They acknowledge, hey, number one, great question. Number two, they start flooding with information about aggressive growth plans, hiring new people, outsmarting the competition. Four minutes going on. Um, and then I, I said, okay, well, how's that different from uh, what it was like um, a, a year ago? And there was a silence and he pauses. Well, he goes, man, because of COVID's hitting, hitting us and came in, man, it just decimated our business. We must have been 40% off our goals. And uh, so I said, hey, what might be the impact on you and your business if, things, if you don't achieve your goals? And he said, oh, dang, I might be without a job. And that was the first time in the 45-minute conversation he used the pronoun I, 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 I will, will be without a job. So what was his, his motivation? Job security. I got to the real truth. So, But here's where I'm – not to dance all around the place, though, but when you go into the past, people are more likely to open up, open mm. up and talk about those issues because it's safer. It's comfortable. You're, you're like a sales therapist, mm. a sales psychologist. People want to talk and convey and open up and release the pain. Very powerful. That's the consultative becoming what I call a strategic partner. Be willing to do that. Go where other salespeople are not going. That's incredibly powerful. That's your differentiator. Yeah. Powerful, your questions. That's what sets you apart from everyone else. Because everyone else, you know, Everybody's solution basically looks the same or it's perceived to be the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's funny you say that because whenever I win an account or if I lose, I try to get the same data, but I often ask the question um, about, you know, what did I do that set me apart from the others so that I could define what I did that worked? And yeah. nine times <clears throat> out of 10, the feedback is they enjoyed that discovery stage. It helped them get clarity over the scope. Yes. Right. So for me that, and, and often it's because I've, I've delved into the past to really bring out the gap and identify those future state um, objectives that they're trying to achieve. Can I just go back because you talk yeah. about, Hey, yeah. we, you know, asking these questions, what stops in your opinion, what stops sellers from taking the time to ask past base? Cause I think that you, you referenced a stat. What is it? 10%, five to 10% of questions are asked in the past, right? Oh yes. Yeah, if that, you're lucky if it's 5% is, is, is yeah. extremely high, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's funny because they're like, what do they think? They're like, Hey, how was your weekend? Goes, no, that's not a, please. That's, that's not a past question. That's a kind of like a, just a, a rapport building question, but yeah. What stops sellers? Like if we know, you know, for the people that have been working in sales for a long time, whether you have one year or 20 years, um, there's so little, so little questions are being asked in the past about the past. What's stopping sellers from actually thinking about and creating those questions? Oh, well, number one, it requires me to think, and I'd rather sell than have to ask questions. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's true though. Uh, yeah. Number two, it requires planning. Okay, strategizing, and I'm like, come on, guys, you know, turning on the radio or listening to a podcast is not planning or strategizing or listening to some music. You really got to just think through. I think number three, though, in fairness, it's like, well, I don't want to be intrusive. You know, let's get real intrusive. Yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm being, you know, nosy or I should already know this. I should have already done my homework. Here's a, here's what's really classic. The seasoned salespeople. Oh, they're embarrassed. <laughs> they're, they know they should know these answers and how yeah. little they know on the surface. They think it's all just relationship. Well, I'm cozy with this person. I go golfing. I take them, mm. you know, the sporting events. We go drinking. I'm like, really? Okay. Okay, that's nice at a personal level, but you know, you still got to, you know, get to the business and not just the personal. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, there's a host there. It's embarrassing and or they don't care. They're just not inquisitive to know about the past. Yeah. I just want to know what I can close today and, and get you motivated. It's just short thinking, short term thinking. Those, those are a host of reasons why. Okay. So or I've heard the same mindset. bullshit before. I've heard, you know, from every customer. I already know what your problems are. Let me tell you about me what I can, you know what I mean? There's yeah. an assumption. Okay. So I'm hearing that it's a bit of a mindset that we bring in because we, you know, we just want to f fulfill our needs. 
which is let's get the sale done. Yeah. And, you know, it's here's what it is. It's it's really I think it's so important, whoever it is, is that I need to know. Tell me your story. Everyone has a story. Yeah. Um, in, in the professional world and personal. World. You want to connect with people on an intimate basis. Mm-hmm. That's your question. Tell me your story. People have a story and we want to hear that story because it's what, what they take. You know what? You talk to a business owner, a lot of your you know, salespeople here, um, they can't tell their stories to their employees, their family, wherever, of course, because they're bored of it. They're sick of it. They have nobody to tell their story to. And they have something very proud of their accomplishments, what they did. Yeah. And by you getting in there and wanting to hear their story and you really do, you want to hear their story, sit back in 20 minutes, man, they will just pour it out. Out their story. I just think it's powerful because to me, I'm hearing their autobiography, yeah. their challenges, problems, you know, all those things that helps people reflect that builds the relationship, yep. that yep. connection with people. It's, I know this may sound basic and some people are not in the head. Well, I already do that. Well, okay, you do, huh? Mm. Get deeper, man. Get deeper with people. You got to. And in today's world, it's what people want. They yeah. want these connections. So let's let's break this down further. So if we can maybe just, I'm going to break the sales process down in a, in a couple of different stages. And I want to go yeah. back to the prospecting stage. Okay. Um, we'd love to know, and, and if you could share with us the type of questions that we should ask, be asking in that cold call slash prospecting stage that allows our buyers to open up and not just think about the product or service that we're selling. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So there's a few ways and a lot of that ways that it's, 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 it's talking about an idea. You know, I got an idea on how you can, how you can eliminate, how you can improve, how you can enhance, whether it's profitability, outcomes, uh, minimizing, you know, uh, costs, uh, gaining leverage, resources, consolidating things. I have an idea. It's the concept, the outcomes you want to talk, yeah. not the product. Mm-hmm. Ideas stimulate thought process. So you want to approach prospects with ideas. Okay. Number yeah. two, it's always important about dropping names. Okay. But of course, within context that you're not sharing anything that is, um, you know, a breach of security here or confidentiality. But in terms of being able to drop a few, you know, who else we worked with and some of the outcomes that we've achieved. And I just want to have a brief conversation to see what we did with this firm, the problem they faced. They turned to us for a solution. As a result, they were able to achieve. You know, with that you can tell, you can tell that 30-second snippet. Yep. And then, but you then you have to say, you really have to make sure when you're trying to stimulate a conversation, then back off and say, you know what? I don't know if this is a good fit with you for you yet. But in order to find out, let me ask you a few questions. See what I mean? I want to get a person's guard down. So when you are trying to establish rapport with a prospect, because you're right, the first thing they're thinking is, oh, you're, you want to sell me something. Yeah. So it's important to tease people with something, a concept or uh, a concrete result or an example. Those can be powerful ways to, 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 to get into what I call the discovery process, mm. which is right in the middle. I mean, if you look at the bridge process, we got the planning, yeah. number one. Number two is rapport. You know, that's the first, what, you know, 30 seconds, two minutes, yeah. three minutes. And then the discovery is the heart, heart of yeah. the sale. So, all right, so let's we, we, let's move this along. So we've, we've, we've prospected in a way, get some thinking. We've, we've talked about outcomes, social proof to this is who we've done some stuff with. This is what problem we help them solve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say, great. Paul, come out and talk to us. Yeah, yeah. The even, first, a, right, yeah. even the thing here, I'll give you an example for your yeah. team here that would be important. Um, I'm just amazed that uh, people don't really do much planning or preparation. I, call, I talked to two salespeople uh, last week They're from their car. They were making joint calls. And they go, well, give me one uh, question you have planned for your call. And they just went blank. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm like, well, here, here's a great thing that you want to do with that prospects. And you really don't know much about, you know, it's, you go, everybody goes to the website. I, mean, I get that. That's basic. But I want, what I want you to do is, you know, we have a lot of people in SaaS and fin technology, right? If you're calling on, let's say, let's call it, say you're calling on an agricultural manufacturing firm. And you know very little about ag because it's just outside of your yep. element, but it's, it's a prospect you want to call on. Well, what do you do? Dang, it's so easy today. You know, you Google, you type in agricultural trends, um, manufacturing trends, technology trends, 2023 to 2028. 
you know, literally I'm going to get something to pop up in 30 seconds. Mm. I can read a paragraph and reference an article, you know, in preparation to coming out here to meet with you, Luigi, I came across this article and in, 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 according to Farm Manufacturing News, it talks about some of the latest, you know, technology that's being implemented, which really is creating a lot of stir. I'm just curious as to what you're experiencing in this province, how it compares to what this article is saying. And I mean, it takes us, what, three, four, five minutes? Absolutely. And I I often say, you know, preparation is the foundation of success, right? So if we want to get better outcomes, we have to go prepared. And this is where I would love to get your insight now on the first meeting questions, because for me, I believe the first meeting is the most important part of the process, right? Because if we can't create value in that first meeting, then we can't we can't actually progress yeah. the opportunity. Um, you know, yeah. walk us yeah. through what should we be leading with? Insight questions. You know, what are the type of questions that we should be starting our first meeting with? Oh well, I, I think it's I think the big picture strategic questions. Okay. And first of all, first of all, I don't want to necessarily always throw a power probing question, you know, and what I call some of the strategic questions in my book. I'm fine with some casual questions in the beginning, rapport questions. So the present questions that we talked about, yep. you know, I don't want to say, hey, don't ask them. No, 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 no. They're very good. I'd really like, you know, tell me what you're currently doing now. Yeah. It's just a casual. Tell me a little bit about what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. I want to get a pulse. These casual present questions in the beginning are fine, okay? And then what I want to know is, uh, and you have flexibility. You know, I might I like to go into what I call a goal question is too trite. I like to go two years out, three years out. And I know, want to know a little bit about, so tell me where you see you and your business. I want to know individual, team, business, okay? Mm. Or, or your market. So it could be individual, team, department. It could be yeah. division, company, market, external customers. See what I mean? I'm thinking my mindset there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm thinking future. So tell me a little bit about some of the changes. See, that's a, whenever you ask the question, you can never go wrong with this, Luigi. Tell me what changes you, you're experiencing or what changes you perceive are going to occur. 95%, 98% of the time when you use that word change, people react to it. Oh, change. Oh, Gosh, let me tell you about the changes. You're always, see, people are going to talk about that. That's where you, you can't go wrong. Do that, okay? Mm. And so I, I want to know, I'm throwing a lot at you, but I want to know about the changes. I want to know how that's impacting them. I want to get into the problems, problems and concerns with those problems, how it's impacting their business and yeah. getting them to con- be concerned about if they aren't able to adapt to the changes, how might this affect their business moving forward? Okay. Yeah. And, and then of course think- we talked past as well, you know, yep. tell me what you've done before. Again, we, we talked about that already. Okay. And, All and right. Paul, how do you go about when you're asking these questions? Cause I think a lot of a lot of us, when, we, when we're going through that discovery stage, we've got some great questions, but we also don't want to be seen as an interrogator. Yeah? No, 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 you don't. And that's where, you know, what is your budget? Do you make the decisions? What's your timing to make a decision? What products? When you get into the, we, we have to be, two things over it. I have to be genuinely interested, genuinely interested and being inquisitive and not there, not seeking out to sell, but seeking to understand that's the key here. And, yeah. and, and you, as long as you, you know, as long as you're generally programmed, I go in with a clean slate, by the way, I don't write down questions. No, I go in the clean slate because I want to be in the moment. Okay. Uh, I don't want to be going off with a checklist of questions. Okay. Where do you see yourself in five years? What keeps you up at night? What problems are you having? No, no, no. I don't get into that because I want to get into the flow. Yeah. Okay. And then otherwise it's kind of like, you, you'll, you'll, you'll give me a great answer to a question, but I'm so caught up with the question. I didn't, I didn't even hear what you said. Yeah. Okay. Does that help? Yeah, it does. But you're still preparing questions ahead of time. Like you're giving yourself some more ideas of what are some of the things I want to learn questions. Yes. It's not a step-by-step. I'm going to ask one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there, there, there's, but I, I want to know, it depends on who I'm talking to though. That's the thing. See, yeah. this is our challenge. 
if I'm talking to a business owner, they're always thinking big picture. They're thinking of the future, okay? Where, you know, where their business is going. So you really want to minimize present questions because you're going to put them to sleep. Yeah. So the big picture questions, what they envision, what are they hoping for? Where, how are they trying to differentiate themselves in the market? What? Tell me about some of the competitive threats. How are they trying to attract new customers? How are they trying to grow their existing customers, okay? How are they trying mm-hmm. to gain more profits, motivate their people, okay? You know, streamline. All these, you know, versus somebody who's in purchasing, yeah. that's going to be more of the opposite. It's going to be very much in the cubicle mindset, mm. which is pricing and availability. So you're going to be very much, you know, you start asking about value or envision where their vision is of the company three years, they're going to go blank. They're going to yeah. have no clue. See what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And within all of this, when you're in that, in that question state, the importance of expansion questions, yeah, and why they matter. Yes. So those are the expansion questions are a form of descriptive. Tell me, walk me through help me understand, share with me. So, mm-hmm. so let me give you an example. Um, working with uh, a, an electrical, oh, a major, um, yes, uh, electronic distributor on the West Coast. They were going through our process, questions that sell, and they, they were coming up against a very competitive bid. It was a, a, um, a state bid. And they were like, oh, we're, we're, why even go after this? We're going to have everybody coming up uh, against us, and we're just going to get beaten up on price. But they said, okay, we're going through Paul's questioning program. We're going to meet with the, um, uh, the firm and the exploratory committee. So let's go find out and see if we can try something. So they met with the committee, and first question was, uh, so take us through your decision-making process. So it started, okay, we're the purchasing team. It's going to start with us. Then we're going to pass it on to the construction team. Then did the engineering team, architectural team, and then the end users. So there's like five parties involved. So yeah. they found out a decision-making process question, five parties. Mm-hmm. Next question was, so tell us what's important to you in this decision-making process, which was, tell me what criteria is important to you. Well, of course, with purchasing, it was pricing and availability. Okay. Then they say, okay, from the construction standpoint, what's going to be important to them? And then it was about ease of use, installation. Okay. Yeah. And engineering, tell us what's, what, what they are going to value most. And then it's all about be the, it's going to be the warranty, the durability, the integrity. Okay. Uh, that's going to be most important. And then architectural. What's going to be important to them? It's going to be about the ambience, the look, the feel, okay? And then the end users, it came down to in terms of, well, it's got to be done on time because any day late, there's going to be incredible financial implications. Bottom line is, uh, four months later, they got a call out of like 20 bids. Guess what? They they won the the bid, a $5 million opportunity. Why? Because they found out the people involved and they found out what was important to each player involved. So they're able to tailor the proposal uh, mm-hmm. accordingly for every party. Does that make sense? Yeah, so absolutely. I, I want to know those things, okay? Um, the people involved and what they value, okay? And how we can leverage that because, you know, a lot of your, your salespeople attending today's call, we, we, you know, there's multiple people, parties involved in the decision-making process, Mm, yeah. And who's who's in favor? Who's opposed? I want to know the organizational dynamics, the political dynamics, all these kind of things that can negate the sale and or win the sale. Yeah. So just really interesting because you just mentioned something that I really want to I want to tap into. Right. <laughs> the challenger question that you know you want to see if there's opposing views in that buying committee because again talk to talk about I would love you to share the importance of asking those challenger questions to understand yeah. is there a perspective or maybe not an agreement in that buying committee about what you're talking about. Oh yeah. 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 It's in, you, you know, you, we didn't talk about this, but this concept of masking, masking and, and, and we kick this off in our programs, every program. I say, I always ask the question, and this is a Dartnell research Institute, the percentage of time that customers are, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to take a guess on this, Luigi. Okay. Okay. Tell me what you think. You can't screw this up. Tell me what you think the percept, uh, the percentage of the time that customers are not telling you what is on their minds. I reckon it's high, like 70, 80%. You are, you're, you're spot on, okay? And notice I said customers. I did not yeah. say prospects. Yeah. I said customers, okay? And it's true. It's 80% of the time. People are blown away by that, but they're always, they always they, they nail it because yeah. they're right. And, and, and it's masking when somebody's hiding their genuine feelings. And why do people mask? You don't want confrontation. They're shopping around, right? Why else? 
negotiating. Yeah. Maybe because they like you and they don't want to hurt your feelings. Maybe because they don't like you and or they have a hidden agenda or motivation, whatever. There's whole, I didn't even mention all of them. And it's our job to understand what people are saying, what is it they're not saying, and what's a hidden agenda. So here, here's an example. It's like, you know, in, in a lot of your customers, your, your salespeople, I bet, are, are have have leveraging somebody. You know, let's say it's somebody in IT, um, uh, a manager or director, and they have to present this to the higher ops, right? Like a committee. Yeah. So they go, okay, thanks very much, you know, for, you know, giving me this. I'm going to have to present this to the committee. My question to you then is, Luigi, what don't we know? Who's on the committee, right? When they're going to meet? What else? Are they looking at anybody else, right? Yeah. What's the decision uh, criteria? Yeah, all these things. And so it's interesting when we ask the question, it's like, you know, uh, and it's funny because salespeople, they, they lose track and they're groveling. And they go, okay, well, um, do you need any more information? Or when should I get back to you? And I'm like, oh. and they get, what do they say? Oh, get back to me in a week or two. Yeah. You've lost it. You've lost it because what's typically what's going to happen when you follow up in a week or two and you finally get them on the phone. Okay. Or email. What's the response? Well, we Either, decided. you know, we, they decided to go elsewhere. Okay. Yeah. And because we didn't get to the truth. And I think it's so important to say, you know, it's, it's saying, you know, what, I, I hear you're going to present this committee. Tell me when you're going to be sitting down with this committee, is this something you are going to endorse? Mm. You're going to get one of two answers. You're going to get a yes. And then I immediately say, well, tell me why is that you're going to endorse that? I want to know why. And they'll tell you, or they're going to, they're going to go, oh, I really don't know. I'm your number of vendors that we're looking at. Do I want this person to convince, sell, present for me? Yeah. Answer is no. No, no. I want to find that out now, not later. Yeah. So I think this is so important that salespeople, they gravitate towards a certain key individual. They think they're the champion or whatever, but they never qualify that champion if they are motivated and they got a backbone. Okay. Yeah, Am I making sense? Absolutely. And it's really interesting you bring that up, right? Because there's some great data from Challenger and Gartner and, and that about the amount oh, yeah. of people involved in the buying committee. And it's getting bigger. Like it's six to nine people and it's buying by committee. It's 40% of deals now um, ending up in no decision because it's not going to your competitor. They just can't get consensus internally. And I love this talk track that you're going on. And, and one of the things that I've tried to adopt in my process um, especially because I've sold to enterprise for a number of years is obviously qualifying to make sure that I've got the champion that can have that conversation, can't get access to the buying committee. But I ask considered based questions about, hey, if X was to say this is not on their priority list, how will you go about responding to that? And I also ask other questions like, hey, you know, you mentioned that this particular project is the top of your priority list. From the buying committee's perspective or from the other stakeholders involved in this process, where do you think this ranks on their priority list? Yes, 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 yes. That's right. That's right. That's see, that, I think it's so important because of the multiple decision makers involved. Yep. And the truth is, I think, you know, I think people, can, you, you can get them to be forthright. And I want to know that. Well, it's not really a priority for me right now. And, it, you know, it's like, wow, well, you know, we get all a stomp. Like, yeah. what do you mean it's not a priority? It's a priority for me. I'm in sales. I got to <laughs> close this. You know what I mean? And it's it's, it's little selfish needs, yeah. but I just got to get to the key person who sees it as a priority, who is who, who has ownership in the process that really can have an impact on their personal and prof professional success. All right. So they do become the champion. Um, I got to get, so I'm all about, you know, because of the enterprise selling. Yeah. Let's get real. Are you going to get get a hold of the president? You know, always the, 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 um, senior level executive, ideally we want to, we always don't have that opportunity. No, we don't have that. Yeah. No, we don't, but we can find out. And it's called the like, like, don't like, let's do this. Um, you know, it's really is when somebody says, I'm going to well, let me run it by, you know what I mean? Run it by, yeah. run it by, I want to share it. You know what I mean? It's a non-committal word, run yeah. it by. What does that really mean? Mm -hmm. Does it mean the person's going to go to bat and going to fight for this? Or does it mean they took your quote and just going to leave it on somebody's you know, desk? Yeah. See what I mean? It's really interesting. I interviewed a, a CFO of a very large company out of Germany, um, you know, a huge organization. And I was asking him some questions about the buying process. And he actually said, look, I get, I get business case um, presented to me every day, pretty much from the business trying to get access to cat to money. Right. Yes. Yes. And he said, 
if the people that are putting the business case can't answer some of my questions, I'll kill the business case. And often it's because the people putting the business case forward, they haven't given it enough consideration and thought about some of the risks or how it's impacting other things. And again, I, I believe that's a failure of the salesperson working with that buying committee that's putting the business case together because they're not thinking about, hey, when we do put this up, what are some of those questions that we need to consider and how are we preparing the buying committee to then respond to those questions or planning for those questions. Yeah, 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 you're right. And it's, uh, you know, we talk about this, you know, in my questioning, I really want to get into what I call, it's the dollarization. I, you know, I, I remember, it was probably 10 years ago, it was in Canada and uh, we were just going to come up for a day and just do a, a formal, informal assessment. It was a minimal investment just to spend a day to observe and talk with people. I don't know, I think I quoted four or $5,000 at the time, just plus my travel. And the, um, you know, the senior executive was just squawking like, what? I'm going to spend that money just for you to chat with a few people. What I found was dollarization, quantification was one, they have a market, you know, one salesperson wasn't performing and it was costing the firm $400,000. And my question really then came back is, wait a minute, you're questioning me about a $4,000 investment when you have a market that's losing $400,000, bleeding $400,000. And there was silence there. And he goes, oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Come on up, you know, see what I mean? See what a good dollarization question allows people. It's not the cost of my services or solution. It's really about the impact of, you know, by you quantifying that, you know, your problem, what your problem is worth. So it's it's a problem, cause, duration, implication, who else, and impact, okay? Quantification is so important, okay? Helping people really realize they will change, embrace change if they can really see the outcome is better than their current situation. Otherwise, the psychology behind it is complacency rules. Let's just stay put. (laughs) Absolutely. But you just mentioned something really important, right? Because in order for you to actually have that conversation, you've got to be saying what's currently happening and what what is the actual outcome you need to achieve because that allows us to identify the gap. We say, okay, well, thank you. This person's not non-performance is actually costing you 400K. And then you're asking what are the other impacts, et cetera. And potentially that 400K is far greater because he might say, well, like you said before, that 400K could mean I can't then reinvest into further marketing initiatives, which mean I can't then grow my market share further, which means potentially, and you said this at the start, I might be in a position where my role might become a little bit shaky and that's the emotion now kicks in, right? Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, there's four questions that that your buyer has in their mind that uh, you want to go after. And, And the four questions are, they're asking, how is this going to minimize my risk? Okay. The risk of what? The risk of loss, the risk of reputation, the risk of of uh, looking bad. Okay. Now, purchasing is, per- you know, purchasing will tell you pricing availability. No, 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 no. What does purchasing really care about? Looking good in the eyes of their teammates, their cohorts. Yeah. Okay. See what I mean? Risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, edge, edge is the second one. How are you going to make me look good? How are you going to give me the competitive edge? How are you going to help me progress in my career? Okay. How are you going to make me shine amongst my peers, amongst my customers? Okay. Edge. Third one is, is profitability. Okay. And that is how are you going to make me money or, or how are you going to reduce, you know, cut my costs or how are you going to reduce my, my, my overall total costs? But I always like to focus on profitability, making money. That's, that's really what, you know, what they're thinking, especially higher ups are thinking that make me money. And the fourth is simplify. How are you going to make my life easier? Okay. Life easier, reduce the stress, anxiety, tension, feeling overwhelmed. You know, how do I get more done with less effort? So that's what they're thinking. So we just have to tailor, we have to find, that's the, I got to find out one of their key motivations, risk, edge, profitability, or simplify. And it's going to vary in the decision-making process, but I want to get to which one and then tailor it accordingly to that motivation. Because when you get to the motivation, you really do get to the heart of the sale, why people buy. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's interesting you bring that up. And we spoke about this before we jumped on live, but whenever I respond or whenever I have an inbound inquiry come in, I always ask my three golden questions. And the first one is, what's motivated you to reach out? Yeah. How long has this been something, um, been a problem? And what's prompted you to take action now, right? Yes. Um, yes. Because that allows me to get an understanding of the psychology. Okay. Well, it's been happening for two years, but the, they're taking action now because they've just lost their biggest count or, so, you know, they just lost their rep or whatever it might be. Um, and then I've got a better understanding of where they're coming from. And then I move into the future state. 
which is describe what outcome you'd love to achieve if you're able to make this change. Yeah. Yeah. And how will this impact X? But you just, what you just did is so, see, you asked me about how do we position ourselves as a business strategist, consultant. And the reality is your customers are so entrenched in their immediate issues, in their cubicles, in their departments. They don't have a good, solid understanding of the big picture. And when you start asking those questions, you know, in terms of what's this costing you, let's talk about your current situation. And I'll start asking, what's this costing you in terms of time? What's this costing you in terms of people? What's this costing you in terms of customers? What's this costing you in terms of resources, output? And all of a sudden, man, the the light bulbs start blinking, 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 like, wow, I really don't know. Well, take a guess. What do you think it might be? And all of a sudden, you know, you start going around talking to these various departments and pull the pieces together. Together and you've just found out they got I mean making a ten million dollar problem mm. and you got a you know an investment of let's say a half a million dollar solution that can have an impact it's like you got people's attention now yeah and that's to me is so powerful because now you become the trusted insider yeah they're not people don't always talk to each other internally to understand the problems yeah okay you got the walls and that's where you have the leverage as an outsider and you wonder what you'll find interesting i ask these questions people are more willing to con- talk and confide in a stranger an outsider yes a salesperson <laughs> than they are internally why because it's it's almost dangerous politically dangerous to, yeah vulnerable yeah but you're a stranger you're an outsider it's safe it's so interesting you bring this up because it's just again i just want to backtrack a moment because you did talk about like mm-hmm. sometimes we get to a point where they don't make a decision because they see the pain of change could be greater than the pain of same right so they'll go we'll just stick with the status quo yeah, yeah. yes and what i love about your teachings especially with the impact questions and being curious it's just because they said the problem is costing me X, if we can then dive deeper on the impact and try to figure out what other areas the derived impact it's having, yes. the actual true like impact or cost is three to four times what they've just said because it's other implications that it's having across the business. So then in fact, they're saying, you're right, 10 mil is the is the entire impact of this problem. It makes your two, four, $500,000 investment insignificant. And that's where, you know, you have a chance, somebody who's like, well, not really sure. All of a sudden now they have ammunition. Yeah. Whether you're able to get in front of the, the key decision maker higher ups or not, but if you've got a champion who's really motivated, you know what? They're going to be like, dang, I'm going to sell this internally because you know not only is this going to impact the business, but boy, this is going to make me look like a hero. Mm. And they're going to see you as that resource to help them sell. Okay, yeah. sell this because it's the win-win for them personally, right? And that's that to me is just, yeah. it's a no-brainer, but you got to do your due diligence. That's why the discovery process is so important. Yeah. You got to find this out, okay? Yeah. Look, this has been awesome, Paul. I mean, I've taken, I've got a whole page of notes here that I've been <laughs> writing as you've been talking, yeah. right? Um, yeah. About you know, some of the concept we've discussed, but I just want to open it up to some of the people that are live on our session. Oh, yeah. Please. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got any questions, I mean, we have the man, we have the, you know, the questions that sell author live, um, so please either t- type it in the chat. Um, this is a great opportunity for us to get some real good actionable insights that we can apply into our role immediately. Um, uh-huh. So please, if you've got some questions, jump it in, jump in the chat. Um, uh-huh. I'll just wait to see what questions we might have come up. Well, uh, while we're waiting, let me give you an example of what, what we were just talking about. Um, I, the next county over from where I live in Delaware is the snack manufacturing capital of the world. And so, you know, these salespeople were selling these, uh, these massive equipment, potato slicing uh, machines, and they were the highest premium solution out of, you know, four or five competitors going in there. And they knew if they presented a proposal without doing the due diligence, they were going to lose. So they said, okay, let us just talk, you know, you know, to some people in the organization to find out more before we do our proposal, because what we rec- we want to recommend something that's really going to have the most impact and really be customized to your needs, not just now, but in the long term. They said, sure, okay. So they they went on the floor of the manufacturing firm. They started talking to some of the, you know, the floor operators and it found out that one of the machines was like down, you know, once a day, 24 hours a day, month. And then this, okay, well, how many, how many bags of chips are not being filled in 24 hours or per hour? And it was like 3,000 bags of chips an hour. What's that over, you know, $2 chips? That's $6,000 an hour. Okay. 6,000 times 24, 
you know, that was like, uh, oh, like $120,000, right? Something like that. Anyway, and they, they magnified and said, okay, how long has this been going on? And all of a sudden they found that it was over a million dollar problem, yeah. okay? Then they took it further and said, okay, well, talk to other people. And they found out when they started talking to sales and, and customer service that their key account, one of the largest accounts, was threatening to pull the plug, cancel the account because it was $5 million because uh, their, their shelves were not being filled with chips. So all of a sudden it was like, it turned out to be like a, a seven, almost $7 million problem. And, you know, okay. So they were like $400,000 more than, than their competitors. But the reality is because what they presented was viable in terms of, you know, the emergency report, the support, the warranties, um, they won the deal yeah. because they took the time to understand the needs. Okay. Yeah. And that was, that, that was critical. That's so amazing, right? And you've just reminded me, um, I was working with a company uh, across Asia Pacific and we interviewed one of their biggest customers and we interviewed their chief procurement officer, right? Um, huge business. And uh, we were asking about an experience I recently had about purchasing something of significance. And they said, yes, we just um, went through the process of implementing Ariba. So for anybody who doesn't know SAP Ariba, it's a large procurement portal, very expensive to implement for organizations and you need a, a, a um, integrator to help put it in. You need to engage another company that will then implement it. Yes. And he said, yeah, we went to the went through the to the RFP process. We had, you know, three companies respond. Um, and he said, out of the three companies, uh, one was double the price of the other two. And I said, okay. And he said, who did you end up choosing? And he said, the one that was double the price. And I said, well, well, do you mind me asking why? Because usually procurement's trying to um, cut costs. He said, no, yes. procurement's about um, uh, procuring strategic outcomes. And this was a critical project for our business. And what that one vendor did was they asked us questions about how we implemented a previous IT solution. And what they realized was we didn't achieve the date of implementation because we went off scope. And in fact, they found out that we we have behaved like this multiple times. So to mitigate the risk of um, not achieving the implementation date, they allocated additional um, resources to the project to make sure we were able to meet the deadline. Yeah, yes, and yes. we decided to go with them because they had a better understanding of us. For yes. me, that was a great sales process. That was a, a great description of a salesperson or a team of sellers doing their due diligence of the past, which allowed them to put in place the right solution for those, for that company. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that example. Um, and, and it really does. It reiterates what Stephen Covey in his seven habits of highly effective people preaches. Seek first to understand before being understood. Yeah. This has been awesome, Paul. And unfortunately, our audience could not come up with a question to ask oh, good. you. I gave them all the answers. <laughs> but I just want to say, uh, I, really, mate, I really appreciate you giving up your time um, we've, we've got a couple of links that we're going to share to our community. Yep. We'll put it into our show notes when we put this also, this into, a, um, this will become a podcast as well so that our audience can connect with you. I think you, sh- you sent me a link of 75 best questions to be asking. So I'll make sure yes. I share that, um, where, yes. where our listeners can also buy your incredible book. Good. Um, so I, I just, ca- yeah, just want to say thank you, mate, for being a huge impact on my career. Um, your your content has shaped the way that I sell and the way that I ask questions and it's helped me land some very, very large deals. So um, oh. thank you for, for the contribution you've made um, to the sales community. Oh, thank you, Luigi. My pleasure.